Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the South Bay Show, Manhattan Beach Chamber 360, on December 18th, 2020. <clears throat> Live, love, laugh, and leave a legacy. That is what we do here in the South Bay of Los Angeles, and it's a beautiful place to do just that. The South Bay Show is brought to you by the Manhattan Beach Chamber of Commerce. The Manhattan Beach Chamber of Commerce has been serving the city of Manhattan Beach for over 60 years, and they are dedicated to promoting a strong local economy by supporting the community, providing valuable business connections, and representing business with government. The Chamber staff is focused on providing its membership with the tools and resources to help businesses grow and thrive within the community. Their goal is to continually support the individual efforts of business as they work to support the growth of the local economy. For more information on how the Manhattan Beach Chamber of Commerce is working with member businesses and the city of Manhattan Beach to support that growth, visit the website at manhattanbeachchamber.com or call 310-545-5313. I'm your host, Joe Terry, and you can read all about our mini adventures on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash The South Bay Show. Persistence, passion, principle, and purpose. This is what we talk about here on The South Bay Show. Joining us as co-host, the president and CEO of the Manhattan Beach Chamber, Kelly Stroman. We remember our great partnership with South Bay by Jackie.com and former executive producer of the show, Jackie Balestra, now moving on to her new venture, Stub Stories Apparel, which can be found on Facebook and at Etsy. We greatly miss uh, Jackie as a part of this show every day, uh, every week. Um, Jackie and I uh, began about 11 years ago, and uh, I will sorely miss her, but uh, she's gone on to... Uh, to master a new venture, Stub Stories Apparel. Kelly, how are you today? Oh, I I have to unmute her. That's a special oh. part. Hey, Kelly, how are you today? <laughs> I, I, I am how well. Happy Friday, Joe. It's nice to Happy be back, Friday. and I have big shoes to fill. Um, Jackie has moved on to uh, different. I, I don't want to say bigger and better because our show is pretty darn good. No. But um, she's she's moved yeah. on uh, to another chapter, and I suspect she'll come right. back and visit us on the show occasionally too. But um, I'm I, excited. I Fortunately, I've been doing this, you know, for a long time with both of you, and even previous yeah. to that, you know, filling in occasionally too. So, anyways, um, we love bringing the Manhattan Beach Chamber show on Fridays to the South Bay yeah. show. Yes. Well, um, it's it's such a, um, a uh, in a way a melancholy uh, season. I mean, it's the the Christmas holiday season. Um, we're on the eighth day of Hanukkah or something like that. But Kelly, what's going on in the Manhattan Beach electorate and uh, and uh, and scene? What's going on? There is always a lot happening in Manhattan Beach. I don't think I'm ever for a loss of words or stories or events. Um, so let's see. Since we talked last, 
we have a new mayor in Manhattan Beach. Um, a week ago Tuesday, right. Mayor Suzanne Hadley um, was, you know, sworn in as um, the new mayor. Our mayors in Manhattan Beach served for nine months. Uh, she was more mayor pro tem and moved up to the mayor seat. So she is the mayor. And then this week, um, Nancy Hersman, outgoing councilman Nancy Hersman, um, did not run for a second term. She kind of retired. She uh, moved to Colorado. And um, we said kind of, you know, thank you and goodbye to her. And then welcomed in and swore in Joe Franklin, who is the new councilman that took her place. So we have a new council. Um, almost a new year and uh, never, never a dull moment. Always a lot to discuss. And, you know, the leadership in Manhattan Beach is always so wonderful and um, such great partners to obviously the residential community, but the business community too. And they continue to help the business community survive this um, crazy year and crazy pandemic. And, I, you know, 2021 is only a few weeks away, but, I don't think it's going to start off too much differently than what we're doing right now. <laughs> so we're grateful for right, strong right. leadership. Right, right. Uh, wow, yeah. that's great. Um, so um, let's see. What else is happening in Manhattan Beach? Last Sunday, we aired the Best of Manhattan 2020 award show which uh, mm-hmm. went really well. You know, we um, obviously cannot meet in person. And what would have been the Best of Manhattan Awards in October had to go virtual and got a little delayed. But, you know, sometimes there's great consequences that come out of uh, adaptations. And in this case, we did a half-hour program that aired on our YouTube channel as well as the City Spectrum um, channel. And we incorporated some of the much-loved and missed holiday traditions that have had to be canceled this year. Um, the beginning of the show started off with the pier lighting, which um, at that time, Mayor Richard Montgomery got to flip the switch. And it was kind of a covert operation because, you know, no, normally that's attached to the holiday open house. And a big, big night with thousands of people in Manhattan Beach, but uh, we can't do that this year. So we um, filmed it and showed that at the very beginning, a beautiful, like, you know, drone footage. It was it was gorgeous. And then we launched into the awards, and then we ended the show with a little commentary from Pete Moffat, who is the producer of the Holiday Fireworks Show. This would have been the 31st mm-hmm. year of the fireworks, believe it or not. And then we played wow. footage from last year, gorgeous drone footage of the Holiday Fireworks and – uh, man, was it, it, it was just beautiful. It was a lovely way to end. And we, uh, in between, announced all the awards. So if you will indulge me for a few minutes, I'd love to give the winners um, another shout-out and, and recognize right. them for um, their amazing accomplishments this year. So um, right. we only had seven categories this year. The first one was Women-Owned Business, and the winner of that was the Source Cafe. Um, if you recall, the Source Cafe opened a new location in Manhattan Beach this year. They also have their Hermosa location, but um, um, Cindy and Amber, Chef Amber and Cindy, won that award for women-owned business. The next Mm -hmm. category was small and mighty, which is like your your Mm -hmm. much-loved little small business. That was um, won by Gumtree. Uh, Lori Ford, you know, also has two locations, um, but she won Mm -hmm. the small and mighty award. 
Um, then we had Healthy Living, which was won by a nonprofit, the South Bay Families Connected, which does wonderful work, um, health and wellness, um, drug prevention, alcohol, you know, education with um, young people and their parents, um, LGBTQ community. They really cover a lot of different areas, and they do amazing work in the South Bay. Mm. So they won the Healthy Living Award. Uh, Dine and be one of our favorite awards. So you know, the thought of it makes your your, your mouth water, right? Um, that that was right. um, Love and Salt came out on top as the winner of that. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to Love and Salt, Joe, but the food is um, yes. delicious, and um, it's just it was so lovely to you know th- their speech was amazing because. We've all had to, you know, jump through hoops and pivot quite a bit, but Love and Salt has really, uh, all the restaurants have really done an amazing job. So that's happy for them. The next one was a new category that we added this year, kind of a fun category, called the Positive Pandemic Pivot. Uh, we couldn't go <laughs> without recognizing something in 2020. And, you know, that was going to um, somebody who, you know, a business or organization that really um, – Remark, now I do. I do have my change. I do have my favorites in this category, uh, Kelly. I have to say, one favorite was um, surfboard wax to soap. Surfboard yes. wax to soap, and what a yes. pivot that is. That okay. was that was uh, our our friend Hogan Peters who owns you surf wax um he was not you, nominated uh he he got a few nominations but no. he didn't place in the top three i agree That's that was a, a brilliant um pivot but the winner of the positive pandemic pivot was another nonprofit. it was the manhattan beach hometown fair otherwise known this year as the manhattan beach hometown unfair <laughs> um so uh they did a great job and then uh, the big, two big awards of the night are the Best of Manhattan Award. That went to Strand Hill, um, a real estate company that has really um, gone above and beyond in uh, donating and funding and helping out many of the businesses during the, um, the year. And then last but not least, Chamber Member of the Year went to Chevron. Um, again, Chevron has really stepped up. They um, oh gosh, created a fund with the chamber, like an economic development fund to help us help the businesses um, emerge out of the pandemic. So um, congratulations to all the winners. You can watch, if you missed the show, you can jump over to the Manhattan Beach um, YouTube channel and watch the mm-hmm. show. It's quite fun. And so it's, it's literally about 27 minutes. It's easy to watch. It moves right along. And there's a little humor. There's a little holiday and a lot of awards. So I encourage you to jump over to the Manhattan Beach Chamber YouTube channel and check it out. Um, the only other big announcements I have, obviously we're a week away from Christmas. We won't have a show for the next two weeks, mm-hmm. um, a live show because um, of Christmas right. and then New Year's. But um, you know, just reminder to everybody to shop local. Um, mm-hmm. We've got a week left of Christmas shopping. Get out there and shop with all your local favorite businesses. Spend where you live. Keep eating. Keep doing takeout and support these restaurants. Right. There are two yeah. very important um, initiatives. One is called Save the Restaurants or Save Our Restaurants. It is um, a fund created by the Skechers Foundation and the Skechers family, and they are matching up to a half a million dollars in donations that come in, and they will be um, turning around, and they already have, 
and um, granting that money out to local restaurants in downtown Manhattan Beach and the north end of Manhattan Beach. Those restaurants can apply um, for a grant online um, at the Skechers Foundation website, or, or anybody who wants to donate to the fund can donate to it. Obviously, it's a tax write-off. We have five, uh, seven more days. Oh, actually, no, we have more than seven more days. We have two more weeks to do that in this year, and uh, the Skechers Foundation will match up to $500,000, which is so basically, wow. you give one dollar and the person receives two. Um, I know Precious. that they have already um, passed out uh, twenty thousand dollar grants to about, um, I believe, about ten businesses. So um, mm-hmm. we're not stopping there. We're going to keep going. And then the other thing that's really exciting, the last one, and then we will get to our guests here in just a minute, yes. is the the Strand House and their partners with the Strand House are providing. 1,000 holiday meal kits to local restaurant workers that have been furloughed and are in need. And um, all you have to do is email um, holiday meals at the Strandhouse MB as in ManhattanBeach.com. So that's holiday meals at the Strandhouse MB.com. Um, give them your last um, pay stub. Um, tell them where you, where you worked and that you've been furloughed, and you are immediately eligible for this beautiful holiday meal kit, which serves now, four to six people. Now, is that holiday meals plural or singular? It's a holiday meal plural kit that serves four to six people. No, no, I meant the email. Yeah, the, okay, four to six people, but the email is holiday meals plural meal, or singular? Plural. plural. Okay, holiday meals plural <laughs> at thestrandhousemb.com. Correct. Yes. Yep. So, and they'll be giving those out next um, week on December 23rd and 24th from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m., but you do have to register in advance, and it'll be kind of a drive-through pickup um, down by the Strand House in the pier. So, um, you know, right. this continues to always give back. It's amazing, the efforts. It's, it, it, the people who step up and just make a difference, it's um, I just love it. You know, um, the firefighters association called me the other day and they're like, Kelly, we want to help. Who can we order food from? You know, so I gave them a list of a bunch of independent restaurants and they did their first order from OB's um, bar and grill up on the North end the other day. And you know, the fire truck pulls up and the owner, you know, takes all these bags of food out to them. So I just love it. Right. Everybody's really right. trying to support and keep all these businesses um, right. alive and help them survive the pandemic. So, <laughs> Um, that's the happy part of the day. That's the happy part. One program note, uh, Kelly, before we move on to our our guest is that I, I, um, said that, uh, stub stories apparel was available at Etsy. They have moved on. They are no longer available at Etsy. They are now at stubstoriesapparel.com. Stubstoriesapparel.com. All one word. That's great. They've started their own website. That's excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Well, um, our guest today is really interesting um, because we are dealing, um, we've been dealing with this for a solid 10 months with, um, you know, a lot of tenants are not able to pay their rent, uh, residential and commercial. um, But today we're going to talk a little bit more about commercial. um, And some are able to pay partial rent, some can't pay at all. Some landlords have given rent forgiveness for a month or two, or they've reduced their rent. 
each situation is totally different and unique. And, um, and some of the ones that started off one way at the beginning of the pandemic, maybe they had to pay 50% of their rent. That has changed now. They're paying full rent. It is, when I talk to tenants and landlords, it is, is a different situation for every building and every tenant. So our guest today is going to uh, help us navigate um, some of the woes of the landlord, you know, tenant um, relationship and help um, people navigate this crazy time. All right. Excellent. Who's our guest today? Um, Our guest today is attorney Mana Belerti. Mana has been practicing law for over 15 years. Her practice includes a focus on commercial real estate transactions. She frequently represents landlords and also represents tenants in commercial leasing transactions. Much of her work includes leasing of office and industrial space. She also handles some retail space leasing. Mana's Practice also includes some general business matters. Her clients range from large organizations and other entities with asset and property managers, as well as smaller business and individuals. She is a partner at LaCare, Urban, Clifford, and Hodge, excuse me, LLP. In addition to real estate, her firm's practice includes employment and litigation. Mana graduated high school in three years. Holy cow, we want to hear about that. Received her BA from UC Berkeley and her JD MBA from Pepperdine University. She grew up in the Bay Area and has lived in Manhattan Beach since the late 1990s and early 2000s. Mana uh, primarily works from her home office in Manhattan Beach and is a big advocate for supporting local businesses in Manhattan Beach. In her spare time, she maintains an active lifestyle, including running, strength training, and beach volleyball. She also attempts to surf on occasions. She's also passionate about supporting charitable youth organizations. The coronavirus pandemic has turned the commercial leasing market on its head and tail. It's been crazy. Our guests will give us some pointers on navigating through COVID-19 related negotiations for existing and new commercial leases. Mana, welcome to the show. We're so glad to have you this morning. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Hello. Happy Friday. It is happy Friday. Happy Friday to you. Mana, when we think of commercial real estate, we often think of these, you know, high-flying executives, uh, power brokers. um, um, You know, it's really kind of the upper end of real estate. There's retail, there's there's residential, and then there's commercial. What is it meant to this industry this year, basically starting in March when the shutdown started happening? What has happened? Yeah, I think that's a, a great starting point, Joe. So as we all know, March 2020 happened, and it caught us all off guard and things just shut down for the most part. And uh, as far as the commercial leasing setting goes, uh, many landlords and tenants, the first step was to review their leases to see what their rights and obligations were in light of the stay-at-home orders, eviction moratoriums that were being imposed on state, county, and local levels. And uh, the Judicial Council imposed restrictions on issuance of summons, et cetera. Hmm. And um, 
part of that process, there were various provisions that seemed to be highlighted as, as ones that were being focused on as far as rights and remedies. But there was also a, sh a shakeout, per se, as to who all was affected most or least uh, by way of asset class, and then also uh, tenants specifically with respect to COVID. And um, from an asset class perspective, uh, the, the shakeout as far as the order affected appears to have been hotels and retail being hit the hardest and then followed by office and industrial assets uh, with the hotels having been shut down, with retails having restrictions on operations. Um, but as far as office and industrial, there was either the opportunity to work from home options and then on the industrial with logistics there was still business happening, um, and in some cases, better than before. Uh, and so it, mm -hmm. in that case, with each, within each asset class, individual tenants were affected differently based on their business. So as we were talking about with industrial space, um, if you have uh, a business that deals with logistics or you're lucky enough to be in the toilet paper industry, um, that was may have been a great year, um, <laughs> but if you do, I mean, um, if you're an exhibitor and you rely on conventions for the bulk of your business, right. this was a tougher right. year. And so, within each asset class, and and similarly for retail space, retailers with an online presence or restaurants that have drive-through pads in place already seem to have fared better than the brick-and-mortar retailers or restaurants that only offer mm -hmm. indoor sit-down dining. So, again, mm -hmm. it comes back to what Kelly was talking about, which is it really is specific, but it, it affects us all, but it affects each relationship differently. And so as far as approach with landlords and tenants, and I'll talk about it a little bit later, uh, transparency and relationships has, has been uh, highlighted this year. Mana, I have I have one concrete example that I think sums up the year for me and for this this uh, transition, this inflection point. Um, a company called MicroStrategy, well known in the Fortune 50, MicroStrategy uh, provides in business intelligence software to the Fortune 50, the Fortune 100, top corporations around the world. Their T&A budget prior to 2020 was $40 million a year. Travel and accommodations, $40 million a year. Come March, they cut that to near zero. Um, they scrambled to 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 um, uh, transition to virtual sales and virtual services for their comp their um, clients, and they discovered that their clients enjoyed it more. They discovered that they were able to service their clients better. They discovered that that TNA budget that was forty million dollars a year is probably going to drop to five million or less a year, and will never ever return when you when you 
talk to companies out there that you're uh, engaged with, is that same transition, the virtualization of business relationships is as dramatic as it is for this one company, MicroStrategy? Joe, that is, that is a great example, and it is a dramatic uh, change. But I'm similarly hearing about companies finding um, best practices that they will plan to employ going forward. Um, does that mean that office space will never be needed again? That's not what I'm hearing. But will mm-hmm. there be possibly some reconfigurations going forward? I'm hearing about that. There's uh, mm-hmm. companies that can operate more remotely, and so they've mm-hmm. they've uh, strengthened those op- options and allowed uh, or are allowing their employees to have more flexibility and finding that it serves them better. And maybe they need smaller footprint as far as least space going forward. Uh, but it and but there have been some bright notes that have come out of um, this situation as far as best practices to carry forward. I I think you hit Mm -hmm. the nail on the head there. And part of that comes with the um, creativity of the business owners and embracing Mm -hmm. this change and and finding these best practices to carry forward and, and save on their bottom line. So maybe it doesn't they don't have to, generate as much if they're reducing their costs. Right. I have, right. A, I have a question. Um, are you seeing, is it too soon to see any emerging trends? Uh, are we still kind of in, you know, the stop, drop, and roll mode here? Or are there, you know, are there any emerging trends coming out in the leasing space as people are rethinking, you know, how, how and where uh, employees and workers, you know, can function. Um, is there anything happening yet that's kind of a trend, or is it too soon? Um, well, I'm, I think what, and we'll talk about a little bit about tenant wish list concepts for new leases uh, down uh, a little bit later today, but um, what I'm hearing is people are, especially for tenants that are looking at new space, so their lease term is expiring and, or they're trying to move or relocate for whatever reason, um, that they're considering the changes that have been implemented this year that they are um, planning to carry forward as, um, as part of the equation when it comes to deciding where to to move to and and what type of configuration and space they need. So aside from the issue of needing less space because there's remote workers, there may also be need for uh, separation of space depending on how the, the pandemic situation uh, develops. So there's a lot of developing factors as well, but I, I definitely do think that with respect to tenants that are that are looking for new space, that, uh, there are some uh, concepts that are being uh, thought about as far as changes to configuration and space and size um, for going forward in their operations. Mm. Mm-hmm. 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 
Understood. Understood. Do you? I have I, another, I, I, it, Kelly. It, it just makes me think, um, and, I, and I, I'm going to ask a question, and I don't remember the answer, which is why I'm asking. <laughs> I'm hoping one of you two remember, but it, it reminds me. I, I know there's going to be a lot of vacancies. People, you know, there's businesses that are closing, businesses that will be obviously downsizing because they're reworking their configuration. But it, you know, and, and part of it reminds me of the dot com bust many, many years ago, where all of a sudden all those spaces that had been occupied by startup.coms that were fast and furious and they had, you know, many people like, you know, in one workspace, just go, go, go. It was like that, you know, 12, 14-hour workdays. And there were so many um, spaces occupied by that industry. And when the whole industry, you know, kind of uh, went upside down, and was turned on its head and its tail, uh, it created massive vacancies everywhere. And I, was there one particular or a couple of sectors that t- moving in and taking over those spaces? Like it seems like, you know, when one door closes, another opens. And so, you know, I'm, I'm thinking here, you know, who's, what's going to be the next emerging business that takes some of these spaces? So do either one of you remember, um, I'm sure you remember those days, but do you remember kind of, you know, who, uh, who rose up as the new business and took, you know, took in, in those spaces? Well, in commercial real estate, <laughs> I'm going to say WeWork. So some of them started emerging with the co-working spaces. Okay. And, right. you know, and that's interesting right. because the co-working space concept would have been perfect in those dot-com days. Right, because um, right. you have right. tons of people moving in and taking over space, and that fast and furious collaborative, you know, um, social but yet mm-hmm. work hard. You know, that that's interesting, mm-hmm. Joe, because um, I don't know when WeWork was founded, but um, now, you know, I think WeWork was one of the first, at least around here, uh, to hit the scene with co with those spaces, those shared spaces, and you know, I've often thought too in the last ten months. Um, and mom, maybe you can talk to this. Have you seen, you know, have any of those, are there more of those shared working spaces popped up? Or I, I know some of them, you know, have they've remained open because there are right. big open areas. There's plenty of space, but then there's also the ability to compartmentalize and everybody has their small little office too. Have you seen any changes with any of that? Uh, I have not Personally, I have heard about some challenges in that particular area with respect to mm. uh, sanitizing mm. and, and pandemic-related mm. protocols for mm. shared space. Uh, the other factor that some tenants may still have going forward, for example, law firms, is, uh, is privacy issues. And, and so they're having open space, there needs to be some space within a leased uh, premises with, um, where there can be private conversations. So it, it depends on the type of tenant and what works for them. But definitely, um, in addition to just configuration and what works, there has to be consideration going forward on um, pandemic COVID-related safety protocols and how that configuration will uh, will 
work in light of that as well. Hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, Joe, it's 8.30. Should we take a little station break? Well, sure. Um, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the South Bay Show. We come to you every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. and every Friday morning at 8 a.m. with a focus on the best that the South Bay has to offer and now the best that Lake County has to offer. I am currently living in uh, Lake County, uh, California, um, just north of Sonoma, and uh, it's beautiful, about 80 miles north of San Francisco. I'm actually living on a uh, a 20-acre farm at this very moment. Um, the internet is pretty good, if you if you can believe it, um, but uh, it's all wireless. We we have a direct connection across the lake. And uh, we try to bring you the best of the best of the South Bay and Lake County. And um, Thursdays are um, open to uh, whatever we can find, uh, the most interesting things, music, food, wine, walnuts, uh, persimmons, which uh, uh, grow extremely well up here. Or um, on Fridays, uh, we do all of the best of the best but with a special emphasis on the city of Manhattan Beach and the members of the Manhattan Beach Chamber because we are proudly sponsored by the Manhattan Beach Chamber uh, in Southern California on Friday. So please join us. Just um, say, play the South Bay show to your favorite smart speaker, whether it's Alexa or Siri or Google, uh, and we can join you with the with the latest show. And Kelly, it's it's... <sighs> You know, this whole transition is obviously going to be over soon. The the vaccines are out. Um, they are extremely effective. They are extremely safe. Um, we will have that blanket of herd immunity, as Dr. Fauci talks about, probably mid-summer, uh, next summer. And so uh, what are the, some of the opportunities for people to get involved either as an investment vehicle or in other ways in commercial real estate, Mana, I, what I'm thinking of is there's just going to be whenever there is what what is what do they say the the um, the character for opportunity in Chinese in in standard Chinese is also the character for uh, disaster. <laughs> so um, out of this crazy year, there's going to be some amazing opportunities. What are those, Mana? Uh, that's, a, that's interesting, Joe. I, I think that, uh, that it's a tough uh, concept to wrap your head around, but it, it, it mm. definitely is a good practice in, in a lot of ways to look for opportunity during tough times, even though it's hard to do so. Mm. Um, you know, mm. it, it's really something if, as for an individual who's looking to invest, um, my suggestion is to work with some advisors who are experienced, um, especially with commercial real estate. It's a, it's a tough business, and there's risks involved, and knowing what you're getting into is, is very helpful when you're looking to invest. And with respect to some asset classes that are valued uh, at possibly higher values currently, it may not be as good of a time to start investing in them. Um, but there may be others that 
that uh, going forward might be some places where there's uh, devaluation and, and room to make smart investments. But uh, it's definitely, unless you are have years of experience in this type of investing under your belt, I would, mm-hmm. I would recommend making sure to work with an, an advisor on that um, in order to, to get some uh, understanding of the risk exposure uh, involved because it can be high in, 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 with any type mm-hmm. of investing. Mm-hmm. There, there are also these uh, real estate investment trusts, REIT, REITs, real estate investment mm-hmm. trusts. Um, uh, our family strategy is uh, the same strategy that Warren Buffett uh, has famously uh, uh, recommended for his, his progeny. Should, should he perish ever, should he ever die? which is probably impossible. Um, he said, you know, my family doesn't show the same interest in investment that I do. So they're going to be 50% S and P 20% uh, REITs and 25% fixed income um, standard safe, you know, somewhat bullish strategy uh, for growth. Do you have a favorite uh, REIT or do you, do you, do you, Approach that subject with clients? Do you ever say to clients, hey, yeah, I've got some favorite investments? Um, I don't cover that with clients. I don't do investment-related work. Um, I, yeah. you know, yeah. I have clients that, that put together reads, um, but, but as far as my work, it's more on the this asset has leasing components and or other commercial real estate related transactional matters that I take mm-hmm. on. But I, mm-hmm. I, you know, it, investment is, is you've seen with the stock market, it, it, it can do um, remarkable things during times where you wouldn't expect it, but it also mm-hmm. involves risk. Um, I, I'm, I'm passionate about commercial real estate, so I wouldn't want to tell anyone not to look into it. Uh, but you, like mm-hmm. with any other investment, um, you want to be smart about it. And, and I always suggest mm-hmm. to make sure to have a, a good group of advisors, like with any project that you want to uh, take on, just to, it may be more expensive up front, but knowing what you're getting into might end up being less expensive down the line, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, um, I, I've, I've exhausted my knowledge of uh, commercial <laughs> real estate. Uh, Let, Kelly, what? Yeah, well, that might be helpful. Bit. Go ahead, Mona. I was thinking it might be helpful to kind of talk about some of the uh, best practices that I've heard about with respect to existing leases, and then maybe we can mm. jump into some of the highlighted items for what um, landlords and tenants are thinking about for new leases with new tenants um, mm. in light of what they've learned and um, with respect to uh, the, the pandemic-related challenges that have, they've experienced this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. Thank you yeah. for saying that. That's, that. 
that was exactly what I was um, thinking. I was gonna I was gonna ask, and you can start wherever you feel um, would be logically um, make sense to everybody, Mana. But I was my question when Joe was uh, throwing it over to me was what you know what are you seeing in new contracts and are there new clauses being written in and and that type of thing. So go for it. Why don't you um, take off with that whole concept? Can you guys jump in if you want to get clarification on any of the points or want to dive into it deeper? Um, so mm-hmm. as far as the existing leases, I think the tenants were looking at some of the concepts in their leases to see what their rights and obligations were, and also landlords were doing the same. Um, and uh, force majeure was one of the ones that tenants were looking at, and and to their surprise, uh, that is, uh, and generally force majeure events refer to occurrences of an event which is outside of the reasonable control of a party and prevents that party from performing its obligations under a contract. Uh, But what tenants were surprised to learn is that most leases require tenants to pay rent regardless of their obligations, uh, of the occurrence of a force majeure event. So, And then with respect to other provisions as well, tenants were for the many, under many of the leases, and for the most part, and this stuff obviously is generalization because everything uh, with respect to a contract is fact-specific, but I haven't heard of many quick, slam-dunk, cost-effective release options under leases. And on the other side, the tenants were faced with eviction restrictions, various uncertainties regarding, as, as uh, Kelly had touched upon and Joe has mentioned um, demand changes and um, with respect to, to being able to read that space, et cetera. Uh, so examples of best practices for uh, workouts and some arrangements that I've heard about and have worked on this year. Um, as far as best practices, I can't stress enough communication um, between landlords and tenants. Uh, landlords who consistently check up with their tenants, whether it's directly or through their property management, depending on how big of an operation it is, to see where they are, um, what may be on the horizon, I think has helped with keeping tenants from going dark, uh, which has been some of the experiences that landlords have had, and also um, keeping the landlord up to speed because cash flow is important for ownership. They have recurring that come in the form of operating expenses. And so being able to get an idea of what's going on with each of your tenants and, and understanding that can also be helpful for dealing with uh, addressing tenant, some tenant concerns going forward because they can manage better uh, is what I'm finding. And then on the flip side, transparency. So getting information as far as tenants with respect to financial and COVID impact to the extent that you're allowed to by various applicable laws, but also some tenants are required to in that sense uh, under, in, under those uh, provisions. Um, and then what I've seen as far as workouts includes abatement. And the abatement concept is where the landlord forgives rent for a period of time. Um, but with it, with respect to abatement, uh, I, I often see when we're still asking for tenants to continue to pay operating expenses. Um, but with landlords who have lenders and debt service coverage ratios, 
that is a factor to consider as well. Um, I've seen more rent deferments to the extent that they are provided, um, and that is the concept of landlords agreeing to push out rent. So you owe a period of uh, a rent for several months, the landlord allowing you to pay a portion of that over time to recover. Uh, but again, I've seen those carved out operating expenses, et cetera. Um, and, it's, and those don't happen with every tenant. Again, it depends on the situation and if it makes sense uh, for that particular relationship. Um, but the, on, for the landlords that are, have agreed to that, as well as I'm hearing from the lender side, landlords have tried to make the best of it by using that as an opportunity to dot their I's and cross their T's in their leases um, with respect to uh, notice provisions and updating them as needed, and also adding some additional protections to uh, their leases by way of those amendments. Um, including adding certain estoppel certificates, estoppel provisions that would confirm that they're not in default at the time or there aren't any rights to offset. Um, and also, I think importantly, uh, adding a good confidentiality provision. Um, and that would be something for landlords to think about uh, as far as if you're giving a deal to one tenant we want to avoid that becoming topic of conversation amongst all the tenants so that you have to <laughs> accommodate more uh, than you want with respect to that. But as far as the overall um, concept, it, it's been a relationship, communication, um, and, and teamwork, creativity, as, as Joe mentioned earlier, having become the, the highlights of uh, best practices with respect to this. And I have a, a pretty good form for abatement deferment workout to the extent that, that this issue is, in, uh, is still at play, that I can, if anyone wants to reach me offline, I can talk to them about. Um, and then with respect to future leasing, there's, I think it's all developing at this time, and there's a lot of uncertainty. I think uh, Joe had a great optimistic view about the uh, vaccinations coming out and us being out of this sooner rather than later, and I think we are all hoping for that. Um, uh, but there's variables and there's unpredictable things that may come and go, so it's hard to say for sure what's going to happen. But as far as the buzz I'm hearing, um, <clears throat> some brokers are predicting that tenants will have uh, more negotiation power going forward in existing leases, and, and there may be lower rents and more concessions as vacancies increase, although I'm hearing that the rent rates haven't been reported as hitting the bottom yet. Tenants are optimistic, it seems, that they might have more say, and and for those in the commercial real estate industry, especially with respect to office and industrial, landlords have had a great run. Of, and it, it, it varies. It changes over the years. There's, uh, there's factors in the economy, et cetera, that affect negotiation powers between parties. And it also 
depends on the size of the tenant and the size of the landlord and how important the relationship is uh, uh, as far as what negotiation powers uh, each side has. But um, but as far as uh, the issues that are coming up as items to look out for, on both mm-hmm. sides, money is important. So tenants can, are thinking about uh, what they have to pay. The landlords want to consider what they're bringing in and ensuring that they can do that to the extent that um, that's their, with respect to their obligation. So thinking about the commencement date is one item that, that tenants and landlords should look into um, or are looking into from what I understand. And that uh, concept is commencement date is something that starts a lease. It may be the commencement of the rent as well, or it may not be the commencement of the rent. And in the case that it's not the commencement of the rent, the rent commencement date would be a different date. And generally, that concept is within that period, the tenant gets some pre-rent. So even though they may be responsible for operating expenses and a triple net uh, lease, they would still not have to pay the base rent. Now, how, how, it's Mana, how, how long would that period normally generally be pre-rent? Sometimes, they, sometimes they're, it's not offered. Uh, but to the extent that okay. it is, it can vary. It depends on the deal. It depends on the size of the tenant. There may be some tenant improvements being done. And I think the key issue is if there are tenant improvements being done, um, even if there isn't a free rent period, with respect to when the rent starts, so it could be the same day as the commencement date, um, mm-hmm. there's the tenants and landlords should think about um, build-out delays because there's mm-hmm. material delays as far as getting material in. There's permitting delays because there may be restrictions on timing and availability of having uh, permits issued, et cetera, that may affect the timing of when work gets complete. So one, one point to think about uh, as far as um, what I'm hearing um, on the tenant and landlord side is putting uh, or addressing factors relating to COVID-related delays um, with respect to uh, when a lease is set to start, so if they're uh, and rent they're under is set to start. So if right. if if there's a hard start date, some tenants might want to consider either making that subject to um, change or a deal, a pu- being pushed out day for day for COVID-related delays in completion of construction. Mm-hmm. And then that? And another interesting I- item is operating expenses. That's a lot of changes, potentially. Well, I think everybody um, has options, right? I mean, there's options is what Mona's sharing with us. Is, is, it yeah. sounds like, Mona, the, you know, the leases will potentially, if they're not already getting more creative, but the landlord-tenant relationship is evolving 
um, you know, and maybe the, the power is shifting, like you said, like the tenant's going to have a little more negotiating power right now, but um, there's options. And like any smart business deal, you've got to experiment and ask. I, I like the idea of the, what did you refer to it as? The, uh, you know, occupancy date versus the the rent uh, date. What, um, the what rent commencement on that? date. Yes, so, rent uh, commencement date. Commencement date versus a rent commencement date. Yeah, I mean, those are smart. And now, have you seen anything with regards? Well, and I know there was a case that came up, somebody asking, um, trying to uh, receive relief via their insurance policy because of business interruption insurance. But are you seeing that? uh, You mentioned a little bit of that in what you were just saying as far as um, a clause written into a new lease that it perhaps if they're not able to get, obviously if they can't get into their building, do they still have to pay rent? Because, okay, I'm sorry, I'm going to go sideways here on this. So I know I had a friend um, who has an office in West L.A. Uh, in, a, in a large, you know, high-rise building. And at the beginning of the pandemic, the first couple months in the, in the first stay-at-home order, the building shut down you know, the landlord, uh, they shut down the building. Like no one was allowed in. Um, mm. So in that case, would somebody still have to pay their rent? Uh, I, uh, you know, this is an area that's developing um, as far as business interruption insurance goes, but um, it's also specific in several ways to, one, what the lease says if you're going through the lease, and also what – the insurance coverage says if you're going through the insurance. So I think, unfortunately, I have to give the attorney answer, which is it depends. Um, But Mm. having the building shut down is substantial. um, And it's uh, one of those, it goes back to what landlords and tenants were doing at the beginning of March and probably are doing um, with longer term leases, even, you know, periodically is checking through what their lease says with respect to rights and obligations and also looking at what is available as far as uh, the state and local ordinances, et cetera, with regard to to what protections they have. Um, and as, as you were touched upon, Kelly, also looking at insurance. Now, with respect to business interruption, I haven't heard of any slam dunk uh, deal uh, determinations coming down yet in California, but it's definitely one of those to, to watch for, I think. Um, but, uh, but if you have a situation like you were talking about, Kelly, I think that um, it's important to go over that with an attorney or, and other advisors to, to see what your rights are if, if you think that there is some language in there or you want someone to look at it to see do you have some protections? And, and, it, and it may be costly to try to pursue them through litigation, but it, it, it may be worth even trying to discuss working something out. So it, it depends, but, um, but definitely one of those to, to continue to look through because the situation changes and, um, and also talk about with someone who can give you some guidance on your rights and obligations. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my next, I have a situation that kind of evolved this week 
with um, a small business in downtown Manhattan Beach um, receiving an eviction notice uh, posted to the outside of their building when they arrived, you know, to work, and then a certified mail a couple days later uh, that they had 72 hours to pay all the back rent since April. They had not been able to pay since April, um, or they would be evicted. And now, you know, they're in Manhattan Beach, you're protected under the local emergency ordinance. If you have given written notice, and that can be a text, an email or um, a paper letter to your landlord that you have not been able to pay your rent because of COVID-19 or partial pay because of COVID-19 related um, you know, income loss. And, um, you know, and she, of course she was distraught and in tears and, you know, also part of their family is sick with COVID right now. I mean, it was, it was just a triple whammy. And she, goes, and she said, she goes, Kelly, I cannot afford an attorney. I can't afford an attorney right now. I haven't been able to pay my rent, you know, in several months. We can't afford an attorney. You know, what can we do? And the first thing I told her, I said, well, look, I'm not an attorney. But the first thing is you need to verify whether or not you or the other person, the other partner, had given written notice to the landlord each month because that is part of the uh, law written into the Manhattan Beach Ordinance. And I said, start there first. And then I referred her to... Um, LA Biz Dev and the South Bay Workforce to help to um, give her maybe some free advice. But you know, some of these small businesses, Mana, um, you know, they're many of them are just you know crippled right now and they can't even afford an attorney. So, do you have any advice for someone a smaller tenant like that or any other resources that we could point them to? Um, I think that you know, I if you you know, I'd be happy to have a consultation with with businesses that are are dealing with this challenging time um, and and talking offline it really is fast like you said Kelly it's it's out there and it's challenging and it's emotionally challenging on top of everything else financially and then compounded with like you're saying dealing with covid related situations at home um, it's 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 hard to give a general advice to apply to everybody, but mm-hmm. I'd be happy to talk offline if, if you have um, friends or other businesses mm-hmm. in the community that are dealing with this to, to walk through some options that are available for, um, uh, for finding some relief uh, and options and, and ways to go through and address this. Um, in the best way possible if if hiring an attorney doesn't make sense at this time. Yeah, yeah, that's super. That's very nice of you, and I will. I will check in with them, too, because and I think at the moment they just, you know, a little somebody to help them and a little peace of mind or somebody to point them in the right direction. But, um, Joe and Mona, we're almost out of time. So I yeah. want to make sure we get – yeah. All of Anna's, um, we, we need your contact information, you know, the best, if anybody's listening out there, you know, how do they get a hold of you, Mana? and um, let's wrap it up. Joe and Kelly, thank you so much for having me. This has been a blast. I've really enjoyed it. And like I said, go out and support local businesses. It's so important. We all are in this together, and the more we do for each other, the better we all end up coming out at the end. Um, I can be reached uh, via my cell phone at, uh, it's a 626 number, uh, but I, I can also give you, if we talk and you want a local number, I have that as well, 
1-800-242-4515. And also uh, my email, which is my first name, M as in Mary, A, N as in Nancy, A, Mana, at L as in Larry, U as in Umbrella, C as in Cat, H as in Harry, dot com. Excellent. Excellent, excellent. And can you give that phone number again, Mana? 26-679-4515. All righty. Ladies and gentlemen, it's it's been a very challenging year. This is our last live show of 2020. And what do we think, Kelly? Good riddance for 2020? <laughs> <laughs> No, we all we can all learn from it too. I think, you know, um, let's learn from 2020, and hopefully uh, 2021 will be, you know, uh, will come out with new ideas and, and uh, some interesting um, successes. Right, right. All right. Thank you so much, uh, Mana Balerci. Uh, it was it was wonderful and and masterful and. Uh, you're such a credit to your organization. I'm sure that people are looking forward to the opportunities uh, in the uh, commercial real estate investment uh, industry next year. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be epic compared to this year. It, the, the contrast is going to be uh, epic. <laughs> so. All righty. All righty. Joe, have a great weekend. Mana, thank you so much for your time and, uh, and joining us this morning. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. All righty. Bye-bye, everyone. See you soon. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. We'll see you all uh, in the coming year. Bye-bye. <laughs>